appreciate again the good singing this morning. That song said that when Christ the mighty Maker died for man, the creature sins. That is a, that's a profound statement that the Creator would die for the creature. And, but that's exactly what happened. The Creator died for the creature. All of us are just creatures serving the Creator. And I'm glad that He created us in, in, in the way that He did. It's His ways, the Bible said, are past finding out. And, uh, but it also declares that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and so we are. And I'm thankful for the, um, the life that God has given unto us. And I'm thankful even more for the life that is yet to come uh, over in the glory land. And one day we'll take our place in that glory place and, and serve our Lord in perfect. It's, it, we're imperfect creatures trying to serve a perfect God down here. But one day it all will be all in all and it will be perfect beauty. And we'll give Him the honor and the glory that He, he deserves. Uh, if you have your Bibles and want to read along, we're going to be in a few places. Uh, Exodus 12, 1 Corinthians 11. I've <coughs> preached this a lot on uh, the Lord's Supper days. and uh, But I think it's important to get an understanding of what it is we're about to do. And uh, I love this day. I love um, I love administering and partaking of the Lord's Supper. Uh, the ranks of men and women that you've joined in for two thousand years, for two thousand years, people all over this earth have gathered in their homes, in their churches, and in different locations to take part in this blessed ordinance uh, that has been handed down to us. It's, there's, it's one of two. Uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper. That's the two ordinances that we believe as Baptists uh, that He left for the church. And and to partake of, of uh, the Lord's Supper, you must first be born again um, because it's a remembrance. First and foremost, it's a remembrance uh, of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have to first be born again for how can you remember somebody that you've never known? So you have to first be born again to partake of this, and then you have to uh, have been baptized uh, into either this church or one of our missionary Baptist sister churches. Um, that's the way we do it here at Lafayette. And uh, if you meet those qualifications, you're more than welcome to meet with us at the Lord's table. Uh, but it is a remembrance. And uh, Exodus chapter 12, this is talking about the Passover and uh, the Passover lasted up until the time of Christ. And at the time of Christ, the Passover was to be done away with. And this new ordinance of the Lord's Supper uh, was set up. But this is dealing with the Passover in Exodus 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make you your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening, 
And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread. And with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, uh, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. First uh, Corinthians 5 and 7 says that Christ is our Passover. Um, and then First Corinthians Chapter 11, verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which He was betrayed took bread. And when He had given thanks, He brake it and said, Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of Me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do shew the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread, and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak, weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And I'll stop there uh, in the reading. <clears throat> this is the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, and I, I, I find it... Um, interesting that the Apostle Paul could have called upon the other disciples that, that were alive and in the upper room with Jesus uh, when he first commemorated this supper. Uh, but, but Paul didn't get his information from them. He said, I received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. How that the same night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. So, uh, God didn't have many revelations after He uh, ascended back up to heaven, but He had a few. And one of those revelations He gave directly to the Apostle Paul concerning the Lord's Supper and how that we are to keep it as an ordinance forever until He comes. And I thought about that till He comes. And I, I thought this week about uh, the first chapter of Acts and and the disciples were standing there, the Bible says, and, and I think the night first of the first chapter that uh, Jesus Christ began to ascend into heaven. And as they stood there on Mount of Olives, uh, they stood there on Mount Olivet and, and watched Him ascend, and it said a cloud received Him out of their sight. And I suppose that cloud was the glory of God. 
that just received him up out of their sight. And they stood there beholding and wondering at their risen Lord and Savior ascend back into the heavens. And the Bible says two angels stood by them in white apparel and said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing up into the heavens for this same Jesus shall so come in like manner as you have seen Him go. And I thought about that when Paul said to show forth the Lord's death till He come. And I thought about the fact that that means He is coming again. And He is coming back to gather under one uh, and all and all, gather all of His people uh, that have ever lived on the face of this earth and their bodies will begin to rise and we'll be caught up together in the clouds with Him to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Uh, but I like that it's the same Jesus that's coming back, the same one that left, the same one who was crucified, the same one who gave his life. It's the very one that's coming back to claim his own. The first time he came, he came as a lowly little Galilean, a little babe in a manger without even a home, without even a place to lay his head. But my friend, the next time he comes, he'll be coming as the King of kings and as the Lord of lords. He won't be that lamb anymore. He'll be the lion of the tribe of Judah that's able to loose the seals and the plagues upon this earth. And as I began to think about that, I thought about the plagues in Egypt land. And I read unto you there in the days of Moses. And you're all familiar with the story of Moses and how Moses led the Hebrew children, led the Hebrew people out of the bondage and slavery in the land of Egypt. And, and God, by the hand of Moses and Aaron, showed great signs and great wonders and proved Himself. And what He actually did, what God did, was He uh, judged the gods of the Egyptians. That was a big thing. For they served many gods, hundreds, maybe even thousands of gods. But, uh, but the God that we serve today is the God that judged the gods of the Egyptians. But I thought uh, the deliverance that He gave uh, was sort of strange. Uh, uh, we're we're about uh, we're about 3,500 years or so away uh, in in the future uh, from this uh, from this uh, from this Passover that Moses instituted uh, at at uh, at, uh, at the Passover supper. We're about 3,500 years. That happened about 1500 BC, and uh, and we're in 2022 AD. So a long time has passed. Uh, since that time, but it bears remembrance for us to look back on the deliverance. And after all of these years, it's still to the world a strange plan of deliverance that God had. And it's still a strange plan today uh, that God has to deliver His children from sin and bondage uh, in this life. But, uh, but as we notice, Moses set this up and, and he was directed by God to do so. Uh, but he said, the, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This shall be the beginning of months. In other words, a new, uh, we're going to stop the calendars and the, the Hebrew calendar uh, will start in March, April instead of January. And that's because it was to be the beginning of months. In other words, the, the life that they lived in the past as slaves in Egypt uh, was no more. And it's going to be a new month and a new year and a new day and a new life and in a new land. And I thought about how that uh, if we're comparing the two, doing an A-B comparison, I want to try to show you very briefly this morning. I know we're uh, working with limited time and we, this is going to take a while to do. And it's Mother's Day, so I'll be very, very brief. 
But if I could do a comparison between the Passover lamb and the true lamb of God, which is Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 5-7, He is our Passover. In recent years, there's been a push among Christians to try and observe the Passover as the Hebrews did. And I, I know and I admire their, their way of thinking and they want to be inclusive in that. But I'll declare to you that is not our Passover. Uh, that is the Passover for the Hebrew people, uh, for the people in the land of Israel, uh, for those whose uh, forefathers and uh, were, de- were delivered from Egypt. Our Passover is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Uh, but if I could do a comparison very quickly this morning, uh, that, that it was to be the beginning of years and the beginning of months. And I thought about how that when the Paschal Lamb of God came, uh, the Bible declares that He came, and, uh, and we changed our calendars according to the time that He came. Uh, we, we separate them now in B.C., which is before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini, uh, which is in the year of our Lord. Uh, so when Jesus Christ came, He literally changed the calendars that we go by. Uh, men can't deny the fact uh, that Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem of Judea. They can't deny the fact History will bear that out that He was born and it was such a miraculous thing uh, that the calendar stops and starts again uh, with the birth of this little child that has come into the world. So that was the first thing. He said it's to be the beginning of months to you. He said you shall take a lamb and every house shall take a lamb and you shall separate it out for, for four days from the tenth day of this month until the fourteenth day of the month. And it's to be a lamb of the first year. In other words, it wasn't to be a babe. It was to be a mature lamb. A mature lamb. And I find that Jesus Christ started His ministry when He was 30 years old. What's the significance of that? According to the law of Moses, when a man in the house of Levi, when he reached 30 years of age, he was then fit to go and do the priestly duties. So at 30 years of age, the Lamb of God was fully mature, fully a man, and he, uh, he, uh, he fit that bill. He checks that box, if you will. But they had to keep him separated for four days in order that they might prove that he was without spot and without blemish. For they couldn't offer anything to God that had a blemish or a spot. It had to be pure. It had to be clean. It had to be spotless. It couldn't be lame or blind. It couldn't be sick. But my faith it had to be in the first year and had to be fully without, without any blemish. And I thought about how that when Palm Sunday Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem on that donkey for four days He was set apart. He was set apart His whole life. But for those four days it was the last ditch push for men to find a blemish with Him. And through four days the Pharisees came the Sadducees came, the Herodians came, the scribes came, and the priests came. And they tried to prove Him with hard questions. In other words, that was His setting apart for four days. And after four days, they said uh, that uh, we dare not ask Him any more questions because His answer was putting them to shame. And they could not confuse Him. So He fit that bill in such a manner that even Pontius Pilate, uh, the one that sentenced Jesus to die, uh, said He's innocent and I find no fault in Him. 
So if the executioner proclaimed him innocent, I'll take him at his word. He was innocent. There was never any guile found in his mouth. He never sinned one time in thought or in deed or in word or in action. And there was not anything that Jesus Christ didn't do that He should have done. And there was not anything that He did do that He shouldn't have done. He was the only perfect man that's ever walked the face of this earth. And so for His life, He was set apart. And we are sure that He was without sin and without fault. And the next thing they were to do was kill that little lamb in Moses' day. And they would kill him in the evening about 3 o'clock. And the Bible said they were to take a bunch of hyssop and, and strike it on the blood, dip it in the blood, and begin to strike their doorpost. They were to take that little lamb and they were to kill it and then they were to eat it. The, the, the Lamb of God and Jesus Christ are the same with this Passover lamb. It wasn't to be admired and just set up and looked at. And they were to feed on this lamb. You understand that? They were to eat on this lamb. And so Jesus Christ is not just some man that lived and we're supposed to set Him up and look at Him and emulate His life. Uh, no, sir, we're supposed to feed on that Lamb of God. And so we feed on Him. And His life sustains our life. It's the food that He gives us that we'll never hunger again. For He is that bread of life. He is that Lamb of God. But they would take that Lamb and they would roast it with fire. I read unto you there that it shouldn't be sodden with water. In other words, don't boil it. Don't put any water into it. It just has to go into the fire. I thought about that. And I thought about the Gospel of Jesus Christ. I can not be watered down, but it must be preached with purity and in all of its power and all of its authority. Remember, I said it was a it was a weird kind of thing the way that deliverance came back in those days. It's a weird kind of thing now uh, from a man's perspective and a human point of view and from the fleshly point of view. The plan of salvation is so strange, uh, but from the spiritual side of it, uh, we see how these line up and coincide one with another. Uh, but they would take that little lamb and how they would do it without breaking a bone. And Jesus Christ didn't have one bone broken uh, while He hang on the cross. Not a bone of Him was broken. But in Moses' day, how do you suppose they took that lamb and didn't break a bone, didn't boil it, didn't put any water on it, but just put it in the fire. In other words, that little lamb had to suffer. That little lamb had to go through the fire. Now, that little lamb had to go through the wrath of God. And not one man has ever suffered on this earth the way Jesus Christ suffered while He was here on this earth. And nobody's even come close uh, to taking the wrath of God in and upon Himself in His own body until Jesus Christ did just that. He suffered and He suffered greatly. Uh, but I've read in history uh, that Moses would instruct the, the Hebrews there to take that little paschal lamb and, and in order to, uh, to uh, put it in the fire and not any water, they would, they would make a cross. That crucifixion wouldn't have in those days in Egypt. It wasn't invented and, and put into practice for thousands of years later by the Romans, I think. Uh, but they would take uh, two beams of wood and they would make a cross out of it and they would literally hang that little lamb up on the cross and put him in the fire. Are you starting to see the resemblance yet? Are you starting to see the perfect picture of why Paul said that Jesus Christ is our Passover? And because it was Him they took uh, just as they did uh, uh, 1,500 years prior to that. 
and they would take that lamb and crucify for lack of a better term and they would nail him to that cross and put him in the fire and that little lamb would have to go through the wrath and the fire of God and that's exactly what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He bore the brunt of the wrath of God. He bore the wrath of God and it was it was poured out upon His own Son. And the whole time the Bible said it pleased the Lord and to bruise Him. But they would take that little lamb and they would drain all of its blood. In other words, the blood had to be separate from the body. At this table that's here today, uh, during COVID, we had to make a few modifications. We don't uh, pass it around anymore, but you're going to come up here and one table's got the bread and one table's got the fruit of the vine. In other words, the blood is separate from the body and they're no longer together. And so that was a perfect picture of Jesus Christ as He shed forth His blood upon this earth. The blood separated from the body. But you put both of those together. And my friend, that's what the Hebrews did back in Moses' day. They had to drain the blood. They had to take the blood of that lamb and strike it upon the doorpost of their house. Notice they put no blood on the threshold of the door. The blood is not to be trampled on. Never, never ever to be trampled on. But it's a holy thing. It's what delivers us today. Now that blood is holy. And so Moses didn't tell him to put it on the threshold of the door for you must not trample on the blood. And many people today are taking and watering down the Gospel. And they're putting their doctrine into the doctrine of Jesus Christ. I said it was a strange thing then when Moses said the blood that's on the outside of this house will protect those that are on the inside of the house. But that was their instruction. The Bible said the death angel was to pass through Egypt and he would go through and he was all the time looking for the blood and every house that had the blood marking on its door, the Bible said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you and go on to the next house. Now friends, today God is still looking for the blood. Now that's the only thing that saved them in that day. The Bible says that the next morning, or about midnight, it said there was a cry made. I got news for you, dear friend. You're living in a generation. I firmly believe with all my heart there's soon going to be a great cry made in this land. There's going to be a great cry made such as never was before and never shall be again. It'll be the cry that when the Lamb of God comes back and His power and His authority and just as it was 3,500 years ago, He's going to come through this land and He's going to walk up and down in it. And everybody that has not the blood applied to their soul by faith, the Bible said in that day, in Moses' day, every house that didn't have the blood, He said there was not one house where there was not one dead. I'm telling you, the blood makes a barrier. He said it'll be a token. That word token means a banner. It means something that's waving. It means something that's signaling, hey, look at the blood. And you said you'd pass over this place. Deliverance was a strange thing indeed. But you know what? It worked. It worked. History will bear that out. The Word of God will bear that out. That everybody that had the blood on the outside 
I'm glad today I'm on the inside. I'm glad today I'm covered in His blood. I'm glad today it's been applied to my soul at an altar one day or one night as just a young boy and I begin to cry out for salvation. It was a strange thing that deliverance should come that way. It was a strange thing how when that peace and joy came into my soul and that trouble and sorrow fled away. It was a strange thing that happened to me that night. But you know what? It worked. It worked. The plan of salvation works the way God has set it up. It's not of man's ordinance. But I wanted to show you how Jesus Christ is our Passover. I wanted to show you how on that the, the, the very day the Bible says at 3 o'clock in the evening they would begin to kill. That's when evening started. They had to start it early because they were going out of that land at midnight and they had to eat it in haste. And they had to eat it with bitter herbs. And then when the time to come, the Bible said, your children will begin to ask you, why, Daddy, are we eating these bitter herbs? Why, Daddy, are we keeping this ordinance? Why, Daddy, is the blood on the outside of the house? And why are we eating this broken bread? For seven days they were to do that. Now, why are we doing this? And it says that you might be able to tell them about the time that God passed over you in the land of Egypt. And you might tell them about the time that He delivered you from your bondage. And so when we look at this table, there will be days to come. Your children will ask you, why do you eat of that table? Why do you drink of that fruit of the vine? And it's so that you can tell them it's to remember Jesus Christ and to remember His death. It's sort of a saying that we're not remembering His life today. His life on this earth was wonderful. It was glorious. He saved and He healed. He bound up the brokenhearted. He delivered the captives. But what this table is about and what this supper is about and what this bread and wine is about, it's about showing the Lord's death until He comes. That's what we're here to do today. To show forth the Lord's death. Until the time that He comes again. I'm glad that He's coming again. I'm glad that He's coming. I'm glad that He'll make no apologies about it. I'm glad that ready or not, the King is on His way and He's coming to take us out of this place. Just like they did in Egypt land. They were there one minute and the next minute Pharaoh called him and he said, my son's dead and get out of this land. There's going to come a day when the Bible said and Moses told Pharaoh, you'll never see my face again. Glory to God, there's coming a day when the troubles of this life will never see your face again. For you're delivered and it's all by the blood. But at 3 o'clock they begin to kill that Lamb of God. And I thought about that. And I'm done. But I thought about that. Why is that so significant? Because the Bible says it was at 3 o'clock as they were killing the Passover lambs. It was at 3 o'clock when they would begin to drink the blood. It was at 3 o'clock on the day, the holiest day of the year for the Jewish people, that the Lamb of God said it is finished. And He bowed His head and gave up the ghost. You see how He is our Lamb. The same time, on the same day that they were draining the blood from the Passover lamb, 
Christ, our Passover lamb, was dying a death on the cross and spilling His precious blood out, it's no wonder John the Baptist recognized it before anybody told him. But the first time that he saw Jesus as a man, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Do you see what he meant? In every way, he is a perfect picture of the Passover lamb. The Passover is the Jews' Passover. We have the Lord's Supper, but it got his, you can trace the history. The Passover was kept until the time that Jesus came. And then that should have been done away with. And this should have taken its place. It is the Lord's Supper. It is the commemoration and the remembering. The remembering of the death. And by the death, Jesus Christ is coming. We talk about His death, His burial, His resurrection, and finally His ascension. And finally His returning. My friend, it was a strange thing that the blood should have done all of that. But my friend, it's exactly the same in the plan of salvation. If you have not the blood, you have no protection upon you. The blood is the only thing that will save you from the wrath to come. The blood of that spotless Lamb of God, the true Lamb of God, born 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem of Judea, crucified at Calvary on Golgotha's hill. He is our Passover. And so that's why we come to this table and, uh, and we partake of His. Now as we come to do this, if you're here today and you're a visitor, you're not, you're not saved, you're not baptized, you're not a member of our church or of a sister church, I would just ask you when you're, we're going to do this a few at a time, and when your pew, when your pew rises, if you want to leave, you're more than welcome to stay and observe. But if you want to leave when your pew rises, you just fall out quietly. For those of you who wish to partake of the Lord's Supper and, and, and aren't able physically to walk, if you've had surgery, if you're just not well, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Uh, when your pew gets up, and your pew comes down here, and you just stay in your seat, you raise your hand, and we've got deacons that will bring, uh, bring it to you so that you can partake of this Lord's Supper. Uh, that comes to the end of my sermon. I tried to be brief, but show you an A-B comparison of the, the, the Passover Lamb and then the Lamb of God, our Passover. So that's the end of our sermon today. We normally have a song, but in lieu of that, we're just going to have the deacons come up. While they're coming, is there something on your heart that you want to say or do? This is a serious thing. It's a holy thing. I read it to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that many have died and many are sick simply from doing this unworthily. Now let me stop and explain what that means. None of us are worthy. None of us. None of us are worthy that the Lamb of God should have came and died for us. That's not what Paul meant. He means in a worthy manner. In other words, when you take this bread and this fruit of the vine, you ought to be thinking about supper tonight. You ought to be thinking about the work through the week. You ought to be thinking about a ball game, but your focus should be solely on the crucifixion and the death and the burial and resurrection and the coming again of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.
to, to ta- partake of it and anything less than that will be the destruction of your own soul. That's what the Bible said, didn't it? It'll be the destruction of your body. It'll, for this reason, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. So none of us are worthy, but all of us can do this in a worthy manner. If you're qualified, if you're saved, you've been baptized, you're a member, we invite you to come. Partake of this. I shouldn't have to beg you to come. It should be something because Jesus Christ set it up Himself. That's one reason why I keep preaching it's so important to be baptized. For He left this little forget-me-not. See, Jesus knew. Jesus knew that humans would forget. So He left this forget-me-not to remember Him by. And if you've never been baptized, you're not even allowed to do this. That's why one more time it's important to be baptized so you can then partake of this supper. So we'll begin this part of this service now. And all of this has been prepared as we've done the last few years with uh, with gloves and, and taking every precaution that we can think of. But I'm glad that we're able to still still do this in this manner. So the first thing that uh, Paul said was that the Lord Jesus first gave thanks. Uh, and we know He gave thanks and He broke the bread. And He said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. So the first thing we'll do is give thanks and blessing over the bread. Lord, we thank You for this day of life. We thank You most especially for this day. We thank You for for the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that You gave unto Him when He came into this world when God became a man. Lord, we know that body was broken. We know that it was beaten. We know that many stripes were laid upon Him. We know by those stripes we're healed. Lord, we thank You for that broken body, His broken frame, His bloody frame that hang upon the cross in order that we might be saved, that the plan of salvation might be complete. We thank You for this broken body. Help us, Lord, to bear in mind today, especially of all days, what You've left us in this do in remembrance of me and show forth the Lord's death till He come. Thank You, Lord, for the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You want to start uh, in the back over here, just just so the back row can come up, and as they're making their way, so um, we'll just do it that way. If you want to come ahead. I guess before we start, I guess since we're doing it at the same time, I'm still on the old way of thinking. Um, well, let me bless this, and we'll do them both at once. So. Um, the fruit of the vine represents the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we know that after He broke the bread, He then took the cup. And He said, Now drink you all of it. I preached in revival a sermon that we traded our cup for His cup. Our cup should have been the cup of suffering, and His cup was the cup of salvation. Uh, but when he died on the cross, he traded us our cup for his cup. So now we'll ask the blessing over the over the fruit of the vine. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this ordinance that you've left us. We thank you most especially for the blood. Oh, that precious blood that was shed at Calvary's cross. 
the blood that ran down the head and the beard and the side and the body, the arms and legs of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the blood that dropped upon him and dropped off of him in the Garden of Gethsemane, the blood that pooled at the base of the cross. Now, Lord, it's that blood that makes a barrier. It's that blood that's a token for you. For I know you spoke in first person and you said, when I see the blood. But Lord, I know you're still looking for the blood today. I'm thankful for all of these that have been born again, that you can look upon us and that blood will wave back to you as a token that we've been bought with a price, that we are indeed yours. Help us as we take this fruit of the vine, uh, Lord, that we might be bearing our remembrance, the body and the death and the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, come here. Sorry about that.